Good morning, Manchester, and to those of you in surrounding towns, welcome to Hour 3 of Trot at Large. I am your Love My Audience host, Rich Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us online at GerardAtLarge.com, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, also at Gerard at Large, where we encourage you to like us and to follow us because we just want to be loved. All right, there's just there's so much to cover and not enough time to cover it. And uh, his interview will officially start at 20 minutes after the hour. Ward 1 aldermanic candidate Christopher Stewart's in the house with us now. And so we might get him to chime in a little bit on some of, uh, our, of our analysis because he himself is an experienced Manchester a political observer. And so now uh, Erica Connors um, is starting to personify the term me doth think she protest too much with apologies to Lady Macbeth and Shakespeare. Uh, because uh, aside from the fact that this uh, website, Postcards to Voters, remember we've been talking about that, requires candidates to approve their postcard emailing uh, mailing efforts from all across the country. Uh, remember the helpful tips? The helpful tips, don't use your last name, use only your first name, use initials, don't use your return address, all the things that they say they can build the illusion that these postcards are coming from friends and neighbors in the district whose outcome they're trying to sway. Yeah, well, there's a there's a little bit of information out there that uh, requires the candidate, according to their website, to actually approve the postcard campaign uh, before it starts. So Erica Connors putting up posts on Facebook that says, oh, I had no idea about this until I saw it on Facebook. Well, it would seem that Erica has, uh, you know, what does anybody remember what the theme song to say anything was? I don't know. It's actually one of my favorite songs. Thank you, Peter Gabriel. And it might just be that she loves so much the way she serves people that she'll say anything to keep serving. But now... (laughs) Now, in a candidate survey... Uh, Eric, Eric, Erica, who at least uh, has been publicly far more supportive of the superintendent than she has been privately, is oh, she's had wonderful interactions with him. But I want you to get this um, about the city's um, math curriculum. What is your opinion of the district's current math curriculum? I want you to keep something in mind. Erica Connors was chairman of the Curriculum and Instruction Committee when the board adopted the Manchester Academic Standards, which were simply a rewrite of Common Core. She's the person who, as chairman of the Curriculum and Instruction Committee, shut down the public at the public hearings that were called to get their feedback, strictly enforced the three-minute time limit, which the mayor said would not exist in the committee, so that people could um, have, uh, you know, could thoroughly express their concerns and disallowed responses to questions that were asked, even though the purpose of the public hearing was to get questions answered by the administration that was on hand and many of the people who helped write the standards. So the current state of affairs in the Manchester School District when it comes to the math curriculum is a direct result of Erica Connors and how she handled the Curriculum and Instruction Committee meeting uh, uh, committee as its chairman during the time that these standards were rewritten and rubber-stamped right through without so much as a question from the committee itself. Don't believe me? Go back and look at the meetings. So, what is your opinion of the district's current math curriculum? She writes this. 
The school board, uh, the school board goal of developing a unified math curriculum came out of a concern by many parents that there were not a set of elementary math textbook, uh, uh, not a set of element. Okay, I'm going to try to read this. The school board goal of developing a unified math curriculum came out of a concern by many parents that there was not a set elementary math textbook or a set of specific worksheets or lessons to follow. When our schools were using everyday math, horrible curriculum, there was a specific set of materials. A few years back, we decided to explore other programs and allow elementary schools to pilot the programs they wished. Since then, we have not been using a unified program. That is not to say, however, that we do not have a curriculum or standards. What this comes down to is people not understanding standards, programs, curriculums, and courses, as well as a reliance by parents on the way they were taught. I voted for this goal so that we could have those discussions and so the board and public could be educated on these things. Gee, what efforts has she actually undertaken to facilitate that discussion? Anyway, I would like to hear directly from our elementary teachers as well as our middle uh, school and high school math teachers on this subject. Well, apparently what the elementary school teachers have already said to those of us currently on the Curriculum and Instruction Committee doesn't matter. And this is a gross misrepresentation of what actually happened because not only did they vote for the Manchester Academic Standards, which was a series of standards-based curriculum, they called it, um, that recommended resources from the teachers, but they specifically took away without telling the board. They specifically took away the textbooks and the workbooks that each elementary school had from the prior curriculum because they were inconsistent with the goals and even better, not only did they take the books away, they gave them away. Gave them away to other school districts that were looking for school books. This was not so we could foster a discussion with parents, and if that's the case, then Eric Connors has had three, almost four years as a school board member from Ward 8 to... uh, foster these discussions and uh, so far has made not one move not one hearing not one ward meeting not one anything to facilitate that so you know but then again she had to approve the postcards she claims she didn't know anything about coming into her ward after she actually had to apply for them and go through a 30-minute interview to determine whether or not she was even a worthy candidate i mean how much more can you just do here so i take a look at the um I take a look at the, the races uh, around the city. And by the way, I, I have a nice little screenshot of where they're supposed to get approval from the campaign. <laughs> we'll be posting that with this news, uh, with this archive. So, um, but taking a look around the city, I'm, I'm going to make some predictions. Maybe I should wait till tomorrow, but I think it is um, uh, Teddy Gatsis has won this mayor's race, I think. I don't want to jinx anybody, and I don't want anybody to have a false sense of confidence because either way, it's going to be close. But you don't beat something with nothing, and Joyce Craig's inability to say what she would do as mayor other than not be Ted Gatsis because he's such a very horrible, terrible, bad, lousy man and mayor. I think is I think it's been way overplayed. And the fact that the mayor can't point to the valedictory addresses of two Manchester high school students who extolled the virtues of their Manchester school district education without being criticized for doing so as somehow trying to take credit for their success as mayor and then condemned by those two students whose parents are uh, all backing 
Joyce Craig, to me, is just a mind-blowing development. Now, we highlighted some races that we think are going to be um, interesting or have uncertain outcomes, but there are a couple of sleeper races that we haven't really talked about. One is uh, in Ward 1, where we're, uh, who, <laughs> whose contestant is our next guest, and that's Christopher Stewart. Uh, a lot of people have written Stewart off on this one and just don't think it's going to happen. But uh, despite that, he has continued to plug away. And I think there's a possibility, and I'm not going to lie to you, I think it's an outside shot, but I think the numbers in this race are going to be a whole lot different than a lot of people think they are. And if he were so secure in his uh, position, I'd like to think that Senator Kavanaugh would have at least politely declined the request that uh, I made for a debate between him and Stewart, which he didn't even acknowledge, which is disappointing. You know, I've been invited to places where I thought the territory was going to be hostile and I've gone because whether I think the territory is going to be hostile or not, they are people that I would represent. They have questions. They deserve honest answers to those questions, especially when you disagree with them. You got to show them enough respect to disagree with them, in my opinion. And uh, I made some wonderful friends of people who thought I was just an evil, awful man following that uh, that forum at University of New Hampshire sponsored by the Granite State Organizing Project. Right. And you should have heard the gasp in the crowd when I was asked if I would support student representation on the school board. And I said, no. <gasps> Ooh. Literally, like the crowd did that. And then I went on to explain myself and several people said, well, your answer at least makes sense. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I, I think another, um, you know, a- another sleeper race. And I think it's more than a sleeper. Hirschman just hasn't worked in Ward 12, and it's irritating to many people um, who've watched that race. Uh, I think he took for granted uh, this kid, and he is 20 years old. Um, you know, um, and, and there's not a whole lot of, um, what's the term I'm looking for? I don't think there's a lot of intellectual heft there. He's a full-time college student. He's 20 years old. There isn't much about his life that would recommend him for the weighty position of alderman. And I think Hirschman took a look at that and said, oh, he's got it in the back. Well, that's pretty much the same attitude that he had when he lost to Kelly Domain Murphy and he lost to Patrick Arnold. And every time he's been upset, he's been upset by a young, fresh face that worked their butt off and he took it for granted. So I think, I think 12 is in doubt. I really do. I think some school board races are going to be closer than people think. I think, although the incumbents are likely to win, I think that's the case in Ward 11 with DeRozier and Ward 10 with Avard. Neither of them has lifted a finger. In 10, um, challenger, uh, oh, look at that. I don't even remember his name. Tom, hold on a second. I'll find it. Anyway. He's worked. I haven't seen many signs up, but I've seen them up. And, uh, you know, Avard hasn't even bothered to respond to most candidate surveys. I think, I, you know, you didn't do his three-minute speech. Thomas McGee, thank you, to our large and loyal listening audience. And uh, McGee, you know, he had a very, uh, I wouldn't call it compelling, but a very thoughtful three-minute or two-and-a-half-minute speech or so on Manchester Public TV Turns out he's a former school board member from a Massachusetts community. 
And uh, what a shock. He was speaking articulately. And I think something that maybe doesn't bode well for John is that 870 times his video has been viewed. Now, if there are people out in Ward 10 who are unhappy with John, who gave us the teacher's contract that paid out more than double or about double the amount in salaries, retirement, and retirement taxes to the teachers as it saved in health insurance, and they're looking for an option, they might think this guy is it. Now, from what I can gather, he's a diehard Democrat. He's been campaigning uh, with the Craig campaign in Ward 10. And so his message, his materials are physically getting to doors. How much door-to-door he's doing, I don't know. But I think Avard uh, holds on in 10, but I think he does so in spite of the fact that he did nothing um, to campaign. And Alexander Avery in Ward 11 has been AWOL as well. Uh, totally AWOL, that guy. He's running against DeRozier. Uh, but I, I think that uh, I, I think she is going to have a smaller margin of victory there than otherwise may be anticipated. In Ward 7, Terrio has been doing some work for the school board, uh, but Ethan Morehouse has been backed by the Democrats. He's an intern at the state Democratic Committee. So they're dropping his stuff all over the ward. And uh, Peter McCohen is, being, is surprisingly strong in Ward 6, at least from what I can see, having done all the door-to-door that I've done. And it looks like the Democrats in Ward 6 are, you know, working as a unit, which is not terribly surprising, but we take a look at all these things. And um, McCone, who got beaten pretty handily, actually, in the special election where Moreau was elected, has uh, continued to plug away undeterred. And, um, you know, apparently there have been people carrying Moreau's water. I mean, yeah, she's nine months pregnant, so it's a little hard for her to get around. Uh, but that one, that one could be surprising. And I think it doesn't bode well for Bergeron in that ward, because while I see a lot of Bergeron, McCone uh, signs on front lawns, I also see a lot of McCone without Bergeron, which means the Democrats uh, are not uniformly behind Bergeron. And that's a good sign for DePietro. So those are some of the takes that I have on the races that are out there. And uh, with that, we're going to toss it to traffic, weather and sports. When we come back, Christopher Stewart is in the house. 